Hello everyone and welcome back to another bad book review by myself and my friends here. Uh, welcome back. All right. <laughs> Excited to be here. Excellent. Okay, so uh, we have another we have another uh, podcast episode here. So today we're going to be talking about Practical Vedanta by Swami Vivekananda. Uh, Swami Vivekananda is actually a, a favorite of one of our friends. And uh, this practical Vedanta, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of criticism for Vedanta being not practical. I think that's why uh, that's why Vivekananda wrote this is because you know when you get really down to earth, what does everything being one mean? How do we understand this? And we're gonna kind of start unlike our other reviews at page forty two because uh, there's there's some really um, juicy bits in here that we kind of want to get into. So we're starting on page forty two. Paragraph 2, once again, Practical Vedanta by Swami Vivekananda. Anyway, I'm going to read about uh, about a page, and then we're going to talk for a bit, or we might continue on after that, but we're going to be reading bit by bit and discussing or commenting, what have you. At any rate, let's go ahead and get started on page 42. Several ideas we can also... uh, Several ideas we can get also from this, and later on. Perhaps we shall be able to understand it better, and we can speculate a little upon what it means. The last part, which deals with uh, with how those who have been in heaven return, is clearer, perhaps, than the first part. But the whole idea seems to be this, that there is no permanent heaven without realizing God. Now, some people who have not realized God, but have done good work in this world, with the view of enjoying the results, go when they die through this and that place until they reach heaven and there and there they are born in the same way as we are here as children of the gods and they live there as long as their good works will permit uh, he's going to be referring to a lot to this so this is not in the book but he's going to be referring a lot to the Upanishads and various uh hindu texts but we're really getting down to the philosophy in general so I apologize if we, we did not display exactly what he is talking about, but the ideas are what we're after. At any rate, let me continue. Out of this comes one basic idea of the, of the Vedanta, uh, you know, which, is, which is very, which is kind of where uh, it comes from the Upanishads. Vedanta, that everything which has name and form is transient. This earth is transient because it has name and form, and so the heavens must be transient. Because there are also, they, uh, because there are, there also name and form remain. A heaven, which is eternal, will be contradictory in terms. Because everything that has name and form must begin in time, exist in time, and end in time. These are settled doctrines of the Vedanta. And as such, the heavens are given up. We also have seen in the Samhita that the idea of heaven was that it was eternal, much the same as it as is prevalent among Mohammedans and Christians. The Mohammedans uh, concretize it a little more. They say it is a place where there are gardens beneath which rivers run. In the desert of Arabia, water is very desirable. So the Mohammedan always conceives of his heaven as containing much water. I was born in a country where there are six months of rain every year. I should think of heaven, I suppose, as a dry place, and so also... Uh, and so also would the English people. These heavens in the Samhita are eternal, and the departed have beautiful bodies and live with their forefathers and are happy ever afterwards. There they meet with parents, children, and other relatives, 
and lead, very, and lead very much the same sort of life as here, only much happier. All the difficulties and obstructions to happiness in this life have vanished, and only its good parts and enjoyments remain. But, however comfortable mankind may consider this state of things, truth is one thing, truth is one thing and comfort is another. There are cases where truth is not comfortable until we reach its climax. Human nature is very conservative. It does something and have it does something and having once done that finds it hard to get out of. The mind will not receive new thoughts because they bring discomfort. Okay. Do we have any thoughts on that section so far? Uh talking so, about the uh what it's like to be in a in a heaven, mm-hmm. but keep in mind that in uh in Vedanta and in, in a lot of Hinduism it's still not complete union with the consciousness of God, but like if you do a lot of good deeds or if you reach a certain level, you go to a, a heaven of sorts to kind of work off your uh, your good karma and enjoyment uh, before you know going back to another realm in this realm to uh, to reach further levels of enlightenment until you reach a level where your consciousness can join with God. So he's saying the central idea of Vendante is oneness. Yes, yes, that's that's definitely part of it. Uh, I mean that's that's the the foundation, but he's talking specifically about uh, about uh, the heavens and how our conception of them, giving them name and title. Um, there's a reason we can, and it's because they are also finite, just like this earth. So what, he's so, saying the heavens are finite, and it, yeah. So there's only one heaven. There's only one. No, no, no. He's not saying that. Okay. He's saying there's many heavens, a different based he on. He says there's no two. There there are no two of anything. That, no, no two lives. There's but one life, one world, one existence. Everything else that is one. The difference is a degree, and yeah. not in kind. Yeah, there's many different degrees though. Like there's different degrees of like the heavens. So like there's mo- there's many different dimensions, like uh, different realms of existence per se. But he he's basically talking about um, he's talking about our conception of heaven and also the experience of it because in the in Hindu texts. There's ex- there's it talks about like different experiences in different heavens like very specifically, mm. uh, and there's like many. Anyway, uh, do you want me to continue? Sure. Okay. So in the Upanishads and Vedanta is largely based on the Upanishads, um, which I have a copy here, but we will get into that to that in another episode. Okay. So continuing on in page forty four, um, pa- paragraph two, in the Upanishads we see a tremendous departure made. It is declared that these heavens in which men live with the ancestors after death cannot be permanent, seeing that everything which has name and form must die. If there are... I think that I'm on the right page. Do we start on 44? Hold on a second. Let me read this again. If there are heavens with form, these heavens uh, vanish in the course of time. They may... No, we didn't read this. They may last millions of years, but there must come a time when they will have to go. With this idea came another, that these souls must come back to earth, and that heavens are places where they enjoy the results of their good works, and after these effects are finished, they come back into this earth life again. One thing is clear from that this, uh, I also, before I continue, I also like that he talks about how heavens can exist for millions of years, it's like a whole different time scale than we're used to, but uh one thing is clear from this, that mankind had a perception of the philosophy of causation even at the early time. Later on, uh, we shall see our philosophers bring that, uh, bring that out in the language of philosophy and logic. logic. But here it is almost in the language of children. 
One thing you may declare in reading these books, that it is all internal perception. If you ask me if this can be practical, my answer is, it has been practical first and philosophical next. You can see the first, you can see that first these things have been perceived and realized and then written. This world spoke to the early thinkers. Birds spoke to them. Animals spoke to them. The sun and the moon spoke to them. And little by little, they realized things and got into the heart of nature. Not by cognition, not by the force of logic, not by picking the brains of others and making a big book, as is the fashion in modern times. Not even as I do by taking up one of their writings and making a long lecture. But by patient investigation and discovery, they found out the truth. Its essential method was practice, and it must be always. Religion is ever a practical science, and there never was nor will be any theological religion. It is practice first and knowledge afterwards. The idea that souls come back is already there. Those people, those persons who do good work with the idea of a, of a result get it, but the result is not permanent. There we get the idea of causation very beautifully put forward, that the effect is only commiserate with the cause. As the cause is, so the effect will be. The cause being finite, the effect must be finite. If the cause is eternal and the effect, uh, the effect can be eternal. But all these causes, doing good work and other things, are only finite causes, and as such cannot produce infinite result. All right, before we continue on, do you have any thoughts, considerations? He's talking a lot about cause and effect, and uh, he, t he did say that, um, he did something, say something that might stick out to a lot of people. Religion is ever a practical science, and there never was nor will be any theological religion. When we think of theology and religion, we think of them as syn synonyms. But he's talking about, like, a religion has to be a practical science in order to be a religion. It is not It is not about theology. It can be logical. It can be practical. And that's what he's getting at when he differentiates the, theology and religion. Anyway, do you have any ideas before we continue? Yeah, he's saying that he recognizes no sin. It only recognizes... He, only... he didn't mention sin yet. Or the Vendante recognizes no sin. No, he didn't say sin yet. Okay. He said, uh, from what I, I... Are you reading something? So don't read something different. So, like... Uh, what I just read, he's talking about how, like, even somebody who does good work, even that good work was limited. Okay. Like, that, that, that can't have an infinite reward. It's, a, it's, a, it, it's almost like, uh, you know, a kid helping an old woman across the street and then basically getting all the money in the world forever. It, it doesn't really make sense. Even the, a, a small amount of good work having an infinite reward doesn't make sense it, uh, as far as enjoyment in a heaven goes. Um, which we can also give the idea that it's the same for a hell, like a finite sin cannot have an infinite punishment. But, but, but he's saying that? Is he saying that a finite sin cannot have infinite punishment? He's going he's gonna to get to that. That's one thing that he said. That's one thing they said okay, before. Okay, well, I know. All right, so, but I just want to point out, and I'm reading the footnotes here, okay, so... Um, the footnotes, who are the footnotes by? Um, is it by Vivi Kananda? Or yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's just talking about the, that... He doesn't look, he doesn't recognize, what is the Vedanta? Vedanta? Yeah. That's a, That's it's his a, work, right? No, no. It's a philosophy that comes out of the Upanishads, which is written by sages hundreds of years before, before Christ. Okay, so. So he, it, it, these are sages that, they thought the work was so important that they didn't, like, they didn't care to be recognized. 
So they didn't even care to be recognized like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would. Like they're just like you know they give they give this wisdom from hundreds of years before Christ, and they just like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who we are here. Look at this look at this wisdom. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, for some reason, it's saying something about they don't recognize sin. It only they only recognize error. Error. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So in Hinduism, the uh, the great so like there is no. Christian idea of sin. It's if you do something wrong, bad car you get bad karma and your punishment for it here. And if you do something bad enough, you'll be punished in another dimension for the amount of pain that you cause. So it's kind of for like, the amount of pain that you cause. Sin is not a concept. Sure. So like okay, if I go to the club mm-hmm. and I smell like a donkey, mm-hmm. that's an error because I'm looking to go to get girls and if yeah. I smell bad, I'm not gonna get girls, right? It's not a sin. Well so that's that it's just like cause and effect. That would be cause and effect, yeah. Okay. That wouldn't necessarily. I mean, but is it an error? Did I make an error? I mean, I'm. I mean, sin and error are kind of the same thing. I don't know why they're they're not different. I mean, like, there's not there's nothing that's that's. I true mean, about it's a little bit different because. Isn't it, it an error it, to kill somebody? I think or? I think that you can make an error and not sin. I think. No, well, like, you're coming from a Christian idea of it though, because like error and uh, so like the idea of sin isn't really like. In Hinduism, the word sin isn't like big. Like it's just it's just like you messed up. Like and you get an equal and opposite, uh, based on how much suffering you caused. Yeah. First of all, based on karma, based on how much suffering you caused, that amount of suffering is given to you here. And if you do bad enough in another dimension for a time before coming back here, um, but also if it's something that's not like uh, bad where you hurt somebody else and it's just bad for you, you know, you get if you eat something bad, you get a tummy ache. That's also karma. Mm-hmm. That, so it's so it's 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 kind of a sin against your stomach to eat stuff that will hurt it, and then you get the equal and opposite, you know, yeah. pain. Right. So like it's just cause and effect. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So and then uh, let me go to the next page, page forty-six uh, of Practical Vedanta once again by Swami Vivekananda, and let's go ahead, paragraph one. We now come to the other side of the question. As there cannot be an eternal heaven on the same grounds, there cannot be an eternal hell. Suppose I am a very wicked man, uh, doing evil every minute of my life. Still, my whole life here, compared with my eternal life, is nothing. If there, if there be an eternal punishment, it can mean that there is an infinite effect produced by a finite cause which cannot be. If I do good all my life, I cannot have an infinite heaven. It would be making the same mistake. But there is a third course which applies to those who have known the truth, to those who have realized it. This is the only way to get beyond this veil of maya, which is illusion, delusion, to realize what truth is. And the Upanishads indicate what is meant by realizing the truth. It means recognizing neither good nor bad, but knowing all as coming from the self. Self is in everything. It means de- it means denying the universe, shutting your eyes to it, seeing the Lord in hell as well as in heaven, seeing the Lord in death as well as in life. This is the line of thought in the passage I have read to you. The earth is a symbol of the Lord. The sky is the Lord. The place we fill, uh, the place we fill is the Lord. Everything is Brahman, which means soul. Everything is soul. And this is to be seen, realized, not simply talked, uh, talked or thought about. We can see all its uh, logical consequences, that when the soul has realized that everything is full of the Lord, of Brahman, uh, 
it will not care whether it goes to heaven or hell or anywhere else, whether it be born again on earth or in heaven. These things have ceased to have any meaning to that soul because every place is the same. Every place is the temple of the Lord. Every place has become holy. And the presence of the Lord is all that it, that it sees in heaven or hell or anywhere else. Neither good nor bad, neither life nor death, only, only the one infinite Brahman experience, soul experience. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to continue on to the next section. Uh, according to the Vedanta, when a man has arrived at this perception, he has become free and he is, he is the only man who is fit to live in this world. Others are not. The man who sees evil, how can he live in this world? His life, uh, his life is a mass of misery. The man who sees danger, his life is a misery. The man who sees death, his life is a misery. The man alone can live in this world. He alone can say, I enjoy this life, and I am happy in this life. Who can see the truth? And the truth is everything. By and by, I may tell you that the idea of hell does not occur in the, in the Vedas anywhere. It comes from the Puranas much later. The worst punishment, according to the Vedas, is coming back to earth, having another chance in this world. From the very first, we see the idea is taking the impersonal truth. The idea of punishment and reward are very material. And they are only consonant with the idea of a human God who loves one and hates another just as we do. Anyway, do you have any thoughts before we go forward? Uh, no, not right now. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting how he talks about... Uh, because it may, it may be hard to understand. It's just like a man who realizes the truth. Like- he can be in heaven or hell... And have the same experience, he who realizes the truth, and he, he who realizes that everything is the Lord's domain, the Lord is everywhere. And mm-hmm. he who realizes that and understands that and feels that, he can be in hell itself and still feel the presence of the Lord, basically. Feel, still feel sure. the presence of the source God. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Um, or you can you can do a rebuttal if you want. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm listening. I think that he's just uh, talking about like his ideas, perception of 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 nirvana or no, no, it's moksha, liberation, liberation, okay, liberation from materialistic thinking, basically. But uh, no, no, it's uh, this is his ideas regarding. Uh, so basically, he's he's commenting on the uh, Upanishads, which I've read. I've read a lot of. Uh, I'd say I've read probably forty percent of the Upanishads, but it ta- it does talk about how soul is behind everything, and soul soul and God are the same thing, and they um, they're present everywhere. There's no place where soul and God, which are the same thing, are not present. But uh, okay, let's continue on. Uh, punishment and reward are only uh, wait. Are you are you following along? You got it there? Or? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're on page 48. So, punishment and reward are only admissible uh, admissible with the existence of such a God. They had such a God in the Samhita, and there we find the idea of fear entering. But as soon as we come to the Upanishads, the idea of fear vanishes, and the impersonal idea takes its place. It is nat- is naturally the hardest thing for a man to understand this impersonal idea, for he is always clinging on to the person basically kind of clinging on to uh, the idea of one's own personhood rather than the universal. But uh, even people who are thought to be great thinkers get disgusted at the idea of the impersonal God. But to me, it seems to be, uh, it seems so absurd to think of God as an embodied man, which is, which is the higher idea, a living God or a dead God, a God whom nobody sees, nobody knows, or a God known. 
The impersonal God is a living God, a principle. The difference between personal and impersonal is this, that personal is only a man, and the impersonal idea is that he is the angel, the man, the animal, and yet something more which we cannot see. Because impersonality includes all personalities, is the sum total of everything in the universe, and infinite more besides, infinitely more besides. As the one fire coming into the world is manifesting itself in so many forms, and yet is infinitely more besides, so is the impersonal. Basically, he uh, just my thoughts before I ask you yours on the, this section. Uh, he's, he's talking about like how God isn't just one person. He's everything. He's everyone. So it's like he's not just a single person um, at a single time or a place. Everybody, everywhere, all, all at once. Right. Anyway, uh, do you have any thoughts on those on the section before we continue? So, so the main points is that God is infinite existence is infinite consciousness is infinite. Oh, yes. Okay. That means basically everything is 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 the same. It, 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 basically, everything is a part of God. It's it, what he gets into later on is it's all about degrees, mm-hmm. and the reason that we become miserable is because. Uh, our mind and our understanding becomes unclear and we cannot reflect within ourselves we cannot reflect the lord we cannot reflect ref, reflect the source like water uh, reflecting something in a in a jar we're all jars and we're not and the reason why we su- we suffer is because we we kind of like muddy the waters or the waters are very choppy if we can actually become a better reflection of our deeper nature which is god then everybody would be at peace and and everybody would would honestly be in heaven just by creating just by creating that heaven within themselves, no matter where they are, even if they're in hell, which is very yeah. interesting. Okay, so um, uh, do you have any comments before I continue? No. Okay. We want to worship a living God. I have seen nothing but God all my life, nor have you. To see, okay, hold on. We want to worship a living God. I have seen nothing but God all my life, nor have you. To see this chair, you first see God, and then the chair. In and the chair in and through him. He is everywhere saying, I am. The moment you feel I am, you are conscious of existence. Where shall we go to find God if we cannot see him in our own hearts and in every living being? Thou art the man, thou art the woman, thou art the girl, thou art the boy. Thou art the old man tottering with a stick. Thou art uh, the young man walking in the pride of his strength. Thou art all that exists, a wonderful living God who is the only fact in the universe. This seems to many to be a terrible contradiction to the traditional God who lives beyond, uh, behind a veil somewhere and whom nobody ever sees. The priests only give us an assurance that if we follow them, listen to their admonitions, and walk in the way uh, they mark, uh, mark out for us, then when we die they will give us a passport to enable us to see the face of God. What are all these heaven idea? What what are all these um, heaven ideas? But simply modifications of this nonsensical priestcraft. Of course, the impersonal idea is very destructive. It takes away all trade from the priests, churches, and temples. In India, there is a famine now, but there are temples in each of which there are jewels worth a king's ransom. If the priests taught this impersonal idea to the people. Their occupation would be gone. Yet we have to teach it unselfishly, without priestcraft. 
You are God, and so am I. Who obeys whom? Who worships whom? You are the highest, you are the highest temple of God. I would rather worship you than any temple, image, or Bible. Why are some people so contradictory in their thought? They are like fish slipping through our fingers. They say that they say they are hard-headed, practical men. Very good. But what is more practical than worshiping here? Worshiping you. I see you, feel you, and I know you. You are God. The Mohammedans say there is no God but Allah. The Vedantas say there is nothing that is not God. It may frighten many of you, but you will understand it by degrees. The living God is within you, and yet you are building churches and temples and building all sorts of imaginary nonsense. The only God to worship is the human soul in the human body. Of course, all animals are temples too, uh, but man is the highest, the Taj Mahal of temples. If I cannot worship in that, no other temple will be of any advantage. The moment I have realized God sitting in the temple of every human body, the moment I understand uh, I stand in reverence before every human being and see God in him. That moment I am free from bondage. Everything that binds vanishes, and I am free. Mm -hmm. All right, before we continue, let's go ahead and pause that segment. All right, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just very interesting how he's talking about how everybody is a temple of God, even animals. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, that, you know, because... Humanity is kind of like the apex species, and within us is like even more perfect pe- place to like worship God within ourselves and in animals. Because an animal is very externally minded, but we don't have to be externally minded. So we can we can actually realize our divine na- our divine nature as being part of God. And once again, it's very different from the idea that any one person by themselves is a god. It's more that everybody is the same, the part of the same you know, oneness that is the source that is God. It's not that, like, it's not so much that anybody's a separate God or anything. Okay, so, uh, any, do you have any comments on that? Are you good? Yep, no, good. Okay. Okay, we'll go then. We're on page 51 of Practical Vedanta by Swami Vivekananda, paragraph, well, actually, first paragraph on this page. This is the most practical of all worship. It has nothing to do with theorizing and speculation, yet, yet it frightens many. They say it is not right. They go on theorizing about old ideals told uh, told them by their grandfathers that a god somewhere in heaven has told one that he was God. Since that time, we have only theories. This is uh, practicality, according to them, and our ideas and our ideas are impractical. No, uh, no doubt the Vedanta says that each one must have his own path, but the path is not the goal. The worship of a god in heaven and all these things are not bad. But they are only steps towards the truth, and not the truth itself. They are good and beautiful, and some wonderful ideas are there. But the Vedanta says at every point, My friend, him whom you are worshipping as unknown, I worship as thee. He whom you are worshipping as unknown, and, and are seeking for throughout the universe, has been with you all the time. You are living through him, and he is, he is the eternal witness of the universe. He is whom all the Vedas worship, nay more. He who is always present in the eternal I, he existing, uh, he existing, the whole universe exists. He is the light and life of the universe. If the I were not in you, you would not see the sun. Everything would be a dark mass. mass. He's shining you see the world. 
But no, I was just gonna say like the one thing, the one question I have is like they're trying to. Swallow your Yeah. Like I mean, they're talking about like reality, but it's like I don't understand how they can be so certain that they even understand their reality. Well, he's making an argument for his understanding, but I don't think that he's. I don't think that he's saying that he's the ultimate authority on it. But I. But I. But he's. He's basically making a case based on the Upanishads and like the wisdom of those. Mm-hmm. But. But. The. Uh, the whole. This whole thing is actually him making his case, not telling you what to believe. Um, I mean, like, and then we always have that decision of you know if, if we're gonna believe it or not. Um, but he's he's talking about the the universal I, and if, and, you know, there's something else that's said by, uh, by, uh, Krishna, um, the, an avatar of Vishnu that's, uh, you know, if I was without action for a single second, everything would cease to exist. I think God not necessarily is, should be viewed as, like, the puppeteer, or, like, maneuvering things, or sending lessons, but we should view ourselves and everything as being, like, cells of God, and it's like, and I've I've often seen the question uh, that you know Hindu swamis or or sages have, have said, basically like, you know, do you how 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 aware do you think your blood cells are that they're a part of you? Mm-hmm. In a similar way, we're all a part of God, and we're just as unaware as our blood cells, who don't have brains but have have a general intelligence based on based on reaction, but. They don't have brains, but like they're do they are they truly aware that they're flowing through our veins? Mm-hmm. In a similar way, you know, we're not truly aware that we're we're all a part of God, part of the body, because it's it's so much more beyond us, just just to the same degree that we are so much beyond the awareness of our blood cells. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, should I continue, or do you got any questions? Any... No, sure, continue. Okay. Um, one one question is uh, page fifty two of Practical Vedanta by Swami Vivekananda. One question is generally asked, and it is this, that uh, that this may lead to a tremendous amount of difficulty. Every one of us will think, I am God, and whatever I do or think must be good, or, or uh, for God can do no evil. In the first place, even taking this danger of misinterpretation for granted, can it be proven that on the other side the same danger does not exist? They have been worshipping God in heaven separate from them, and of whom they are much afraid. They have been born shaking with fear, and all their life they will go on shaking. Has the, world, uh, has the world been made much better by this? Those who have understood and worshipped a personal God, and those who have understood and worshipped an impersonal God, on which side have been the greater works of the world? Gigantic workers, gigantic moral powers, certainly on, certainly on the impersonal. How can you expect morality to be developed through fear? It, ne- it can never be. Where one sees an... Uh, where one sees another, where one hears another, that is Maya. When one d- does not see another, when one does not hear another, when everything has become the Atman, soul, um, who sees who sees whom, who perceives whom, it is all he and all I at the same time. The soul has become pure. Then and then alone, we understand what love is. Love cannot come through fear. Its basis is freedom. When we really begin to love the world, then we understand what is meant by brotherhood of mankind, and not before. So it is not right to say that the impersonal idea will lead to a tremendous amount of evil in the world, as if the other doctrine never lent itself to works of evil, uh, as if it did not lead to uh, sectarianism, del, uh, del, deluging, 
the world with blood and causing men to tear each other to pieces. My God is the greatest God. Let us decide it. Let us decide it by a free fight. What is the outcome of dualism all over the world? Come out into the broad open light of day. Come out from the the little narrow paths. For na- for how can the infinite soul rest content content to live and die in small ruts? Come out into the universe of light. Everything in the universe is yours. Stretch out your arms and embrace it with love. If you ever felt you wanted to do that, you have felt God. All right, you want to comment? So he's he's saying uh, he like speaks of like it's not what you believe, it's what you know. It's like your knowledge, right? Uh, I mean, but, but where, knowledge. Of where, what where are you getting that from? I mean, just like some transcripts on. on, on okay, so you're talking you're talking about something different that you're reading? Yeah. Well, well, I, well we only have one book. One copy of the book, so so I'm looking. Anyway, at, we should have taken pictures. Well, like you can listen though. It's I mean, okay, I'm listening, but I'm just I'm like just trying to get an idea of who he was, what he represents. He's talking about mm-hmm. knowledge, being enlightened by knowledge, right? Which experience of knowledge, not not knowledge. not trust in somebody else's. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the the idea that instead of instead of trusting like uh, basically he's talking about how like instead of trusting a priest to be the only one to get you to heaven or to get you to a higher state. Find God within yourself and realize that God is within you. That that there is, since God is infinite, that there is no place where God is not. Because if he, if it would be, God would be finite if he wasn't even in somewhere like a hell. This is an interesting um, precept here. It says the Vendetta. Vedanta. Vedanta rejects the theory on the assumption that God is perfect. A perfect being is self-fulfilled and therefore can have no desires. Mm. Having desires means we desire having desires means we desire those things or experiences which we are lacking in ourselves. Mm. Even a human being is exhorted or transcended self-centered desires which are described in the Gita as the enemy to be vanquished and the cause of all suffering. Mm. Oh, did you uh do you have any conjecture on that? Or did you want to keep on reading? You can read some more of that if you. I don't. That's I, pretty interesting. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so how could a perfect omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent being possibly have any desires whatsoever? Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, basically, like, well, a lot of people think that, like, the idea of like one God, they like this one God has emotions, it has desires, but like that, that's very limiting. So, like, how how can how can how can we ascribe in like a uh, omniscience, omnipotence? And perhaps omnipresence to a being that we think of as as limited as us. So like it is. So he's he's basically made, he's talking about you know, is our idea of God correct that he has emotions that limit us, or or he has um, confining desires that limit limit us? Mm-hmm. Like would God have that? And do we understand God as having that just because we have that? I think that I think that's what that's what the implication is, but. Do you have any ideas about that? Uh, so why are we supposed to give glory to God? Glory? Well, I mean, he he never said the glory to God. Are you talking about like in Christianity? It says, so how could a perfect... Om- okay. Um, when one sees the vast, vastness of the universe, it becomes even more ludicrous that such a being would be glorified by a bunch of puny creatures mm-hmm. on this temporary and totally insignificant speck mm-hmm. of dust upon earth. Yeah, a separate being, yeah. So the Hindu theory is that Brahma, overflowing with immersed joy, bursts forth like a dancer, and dances not for an objective, but out of pure exuberance and personal expression. 
Okay. Mm. So. And what else? Do you want to continue? In the Vedas, contempl- uh, contemplates... The Vedas cont- contemplate? Uh, in the Vedas... Uh, contemplates and says to himself, I am one only, let me become many. And so, and so projects the manifold universe into being the sake. Projects, yeah, projects the manifold. To the divine play, yeah, I don't know. Basically, sure. basically he's saying that everything is one and that the idea that, that God is separate from us and has, that has a, a separate experience from us is ludicrous. Is that what he's saying? Yeah, so there's no purpose in life. What? It is Why just his... Wait, is that there what he says? No, yeah, it says there is no divine plan, just a dance of life. I guess you're. I guess they're trying. No, 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 no. A divine plan. So he's saying that there's basically there is it, no divine plan. Well, it's not. It's not a separate plan. Like basically, anything that happens and everything, everything that you do, everything that you love, everything that you imagine is also what God imagines, loves, and does. It's not. It's not that the plan is separate from what's happening. It's that what's happening is the experience and realization of all the workings of God because everything's a part of God. So it's not like there's a different, there's like a, a book. It's not like there's a book in heaven where God has written down his plan and then like everything that happens in that book, um, fate and destiny carry it out. It's that uh, everything that everything that happens, everything that we are is, is not, it's, it's, it's a plan in action. It is becoming everything's becoming at once, mm-hmm. past and past and the future. Those are understandings that are very human organized, human human like limited understanding by humans. Sure. But uh, so there's no there's no design as much as everything happening at once is the significance of design, which is uh, hard to understand. I understand. So no 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 manifestation of God, right? No, everything is God. Okay. All at once, basically. That's why there can be no external, a separate and external plan because everything is the plan all at once. So it's almost, it's almost like there's nothing dictating a plan. There's nothing separate dictating a plan because everything is a plan all at once. Uh, do you have any more uh, comments before we continue a little bit? No. Okay. Uh, if you have any, also, if you have any questions about any of this, just let me know because uh, some of these ideas might be like new, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so uh, page 53, uh, Practical Vedanta by Swami Vivekananda. You remember that passage, uh, so this is me reading it, <laughs> it sounded like I was talking just by myself. You remember that passage in the Sermon of Buddha, how he sent a thought of love towards this, the south, the north, the east, and the west, above and below, until the whole universe was filled with this love, so grand, great, and infinite. When you have that feeling, you have true personality. The whole universe is one person. Let go, let go the little things. Give up the small for the infinite. Give up small enjoyments for infinite bliss. It is all yours, for impersonal includes the personal. So God is personal and impersonal, impersonal at the same time. And man, the infinite, impersonal man, is manifesting himself as person. We, the finite, have limit, limited ourselves, as it were, into small parts. The Vedanta says that infinity is our true nature. It will never vanish. It will never abide for whatever, forever. But we are limiting ourselves by our karma, which, like a chain round our necks, has dragged us into this limitation. Break that chain and be free. Trample the law under your feet. There is no law in human nature. There is no destiny, no fate. How can there be law in infinity? Freedom is its watchword. Freedom is its nature, its birthright. 
be free, and then have any number of personalities you like. Then we will play like the actor who comes upon the stage and plays the part of a beggar. Contrast him with the actual beggar walking in the streets. This see, this, uh, the scene is perhaps the same in both cases. The words are perhaps the same, but yet what difference? The one enjoys his beggar, beggary while the other is suffering misery from it. And what makes this difference? The one is free and the other is bound. The actor knows his beggary is not true, but that he has assumed it for a play, while the real beggar thinks that it is his too familiar state that he has to bear, bear it whether he wills it or not. This is the law. So long as we have no knowledge of our real nature, we are beggars, jostling about by every force in nature, and made slaves, by our, um, slaves of by everything in nature. We cry all over the world for help. But help never comes to us. We cry to imaginary beings, and yet it never comes to us. But still, we hope help will come. And thus, in weeping, wailing, and hoping, one life is passed, and the same play goes on and on. Be free. Hope for nothing from anyone. I am sure if you look back upon your lives, you will find that you were always vainly trying to get help from others, which never came. All the help that has come from, uh, has come from within all the help that has come from within ourselves. You only had the fruits of what you, you yourselves worked for, and yet you were strangely hoping all the time for help. A rich man's parlor is always full, but if you notice, you do not find the same people there. The visitors are always hoping that they will get something from those wealthy men, but they never do. So are our lives spent in hoping, 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 which never comes to an end? Give up hope, says the Vedanta. Why would you hope? You have everything. Nay, you are everything. What are you hoping for? Okay, before we continue, you have any thoughts? Uh, so I have this thought. Um, so in Hinduism... Oh, it, this is not in re- reference to what I just read, is it? Yes, because I don't have the copy, but I'm going to ask no, you... No, I mean, like, you can listen up. I'm going to ask you, like, yeah, okay, okay, we're, we're going to have to, like, diverge a little bit, so... Okay, I'll sit next to you when I'm reading. Uh, okay, so... To kind of clarify something, right? Because we're talking about he's 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 talking. Okay, give me a summary of what you just read. Were you not listening? <laughs> I, I I'm listening. Okay, but he's I he's can't. talking about his personal beliefs. That's not his. Is it's his, he's talking about Vedanta. He's talking yeah. about the Upanishads. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Maybe we should take pictures of this so you can follow along. And no, then it's we okay. Can... It's okay. Because okay. we're, I, I can't. We're I can't not always su- gonna. It's not always gonna be perfect. But next time we will. But in this case, I can't. So okay. So basically, saying wh- why hope? The if if everything is God, why hope? Why why expect something from an external being? Everything everything that you can do and everything that can happen is at your disposal within your fingertips. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what I want to ask you is, is the general concept that you reject or you accept a God? Who creates, gives laws, and demands recognition, praise, and obedience. Where are you getting that from? I mean, this is just a relative to this context. Um, no, where are you getting context. it from? Where are you getting it from? I mean, I'm, I'm, this is a... Um, Everybody needs to know Hindu, if we're... Some, I'm, okay, just in general, Hindu priest. Alright, let me see who this is. Uh, Hindu priest, yoga, Vedanta teacher, registered nurse. Okay. Um, okay. This is on Quora. Yeah, it's on core. What was your question? In relative to this uh, context. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. 
Um, so read, do, read do, everything do, that do, he wrote. So okay, so he's asking why doesn't the Ava Avatar Ven Avatar Ava Vedanta or yeah philosophy philosophy believe in God. It says it all depends on how. <laughs> oh, I see what's going on. It all depends on how you define God and what you you your expected relationship to God is. Mm-hmm. If you define God as a personal being in the sky that creates a world from nothing, then no. Uh, Ava the uh, ad Ava Vedanta, Ava Vedanta, the eight ad Vaita. Where are you? Where are you looking at? Advaita. Yes. What is that? Advaita. I don't know. I don't know what you're reading. I forgot what that is. What do you say? According to the ad- Advaita. Advaita. Okay, so maybe we're on the same. Okay, Advaita Vedanta is a Hindu. A path of spiritual discipline and experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's saying does not believe in in that God, mm-hmm. does not believe in a God in the sky that creates the world from nothing. Yeah, yeah. Every, every, no, God is not external, and God has never God. Every, God became everything in Hinduism. Okay, so it's not a separate. It's not a separate being laying down laws. So if you think that God has created you to worship Him, and the expected relationship to. This god is one of slavish worship and obedience. Then no, uh, the Advaita does not believe in that god. Correct. They reject the concept of a god who creates, gives laws, and demands recognition, praise, and obedience, which mm-hmm. is kind of strange. Well, yeah, it gives laws, pr- demands, praise, and obedience because everything is God. Like there's nothing separate to give that. We're all a part of the same. It's almost like okay. So can you imagine yourself looking at your looking at your arm, saying, "Praise me." Be, be, I demand that you give me praise. It's a part of you. Like, would you just yell at your arm like that? Or would you yell at your finger to say, hey, I need you to, need you to work better? No, like, I mean, like, it's probably loosely constructed. I think that if a God created you. No, no, no creation in Hinduism. None. None creation. God became everything. Didn't create a separate. God yeah. became everything. Okay. There's no creation. No creation. So, I don't know. I mean. It's completely foreign to a usual Western understanding, but yes. But then again, we go back to that other, uh, that other ter- uh, phrase where he was saying. When he says create, he, he, he means saying, he means becomes. If yeah. you're talking about what Vivekananda well, said. If God is okay, so God is not perfect, then right? So no, no, God is there. So uh, there is there is no personal God that is a person or separate from. God is everything all at once. No, so it's not a separate entity. He, okay, he was saying he, the, somebody was saying about if God is not if God is perfect, then there's no desire for anything for him feedback. Like you know, yeah, yeah. So why would he demand worship or like expect worship or or get angry or get angry? Like how could how could God get angry if he was perfect? Is is anger per, part of perfection? So God is perfect, or is he not perfect? You're you're misunderstanding the question. So, if if everything's a part of God, so we're thinking it. God is not a separate being who can get angry at an, at at something that is separate from Him. Mm-hmm. He is basically like he. Everything is a part of Him. It's almost. Do you get angry at your arm, or do uh, you get angry uh, at your finger? I don't know. I think that like we're not taking the the okay. We're not taking into perspective others like uh, so. This is our feelings and our beliefs, but what about someone else's beliefs? So yeah, beliefs completely different. That's fine. Yeah, but somebody else might think God deserves obedience. 
Yeah, right? that's fine. Yeah. So how come we don't recognize that person's feeling? No, we I recognize that person's feeling. Many Hindus do. We just don't agree. We don't agree. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I mean, believe differently that God is everything and that God is not limited. Right, and I don't, I'm just remembering something about if if you take the path that you think God. It just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, because Hindu, make... Hindus don't... Okay, so they... they... So, so there's no one thing that it, you have it, to believe in does, Hinduism. It doesn't... So there's some Hindus that don't even believe in God. So, But there's a number of different ways you can believe in Hinduism. I'm just saying, but there's no relationship with God yeah, there is. On, on Earth. What are you talking it's about? It's all about celestial, celestial life. What are you talking about? Do, do you not see the Hindu statues I have and the offerings that I make? Yeah. And speaking to these statues? Right. That's the... a relationship with God. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that on Earth. That's a connection, but the, the Hindu God or Brahma or whatever, uh-huh. okay, he we no one ever no one, I mean you have never seen him, no one's ever met what him. What are you talking about? God's everywhere. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, Krishna, Krishna, Krishna was basically like Christ for the Hindus, mm-hmm. in the way that you're thinking of. Right. Yes, that's that's God. Well, I'm just saying those two. Different... And I have a statue of Krishna as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's just uh... because I mean, like, think about it. There's. All the spiritual practices that Hindus have compared to, compared to like, I mean, like, there's a whole, there's a whole kinds of spiritual rituals we can do and have a personal relationship with God. And we focus on God through the different forms, but that's no less focus on God. And then we relate to them through the statues. Um, if there's a perfect God, mm-hmm. it would be interesting for him to ask you, who, who do you think he is, right? Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. That would be interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Versus, like, demanding, like, I'm God, and I'm asking... Demanding? No, 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 there's yeah. no separate... You, you, okay, so, I see where you're misunderstanding. So, just because everything is God, that doesn't mean that you walk up to God and be like, hey, I'm God. No, that'd be dumb. You don't say I, and you just want to am God. Just say God is. Mm-hmm. Since everything is God, you can't claim yourself to be separate, like a separate God, or, like, God in and of yourself. Everything is God. So, like, the, the proper statement would be God is. But yeah, we can uh, we can pause before going to the last segment if you want. Okay, pause. Yeah, we'll pause it. Okay, so page fifty six, practical Vedanta by Swami Vivekananda. Um, we were talking about hope previously, and he was asking. You know, uh, let's go ahead and go a little bit from the past page. Um, the visitor is always hoping that they will get something from those wealthy men, but they never do. So our lives spend in hoping, 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 which never comes to an end. Give up hope, says the Vedanta. Why should you hope? You have everything. Nay, you are everything. What are you hoping for? If a king goes mad and runs about trying to find the king of his country, (laughs) the king of his country, he will never find him because he is the king himself. He may go through every village and city in his own country, seeking in every house, weeping and wailing, but he will never find him, because he is the king himself. He is better. Uh, oh, wait. it is better that we know we are God and give up this fool's search after him. And knowing that we are God, we are we become happy and contented. Give up all those mad pursuits, and then you play your part in the universe as an actor on the stage. The whole vision is changed, and instead of an eternal prison, this world has become a playground. Instead of a land of competition, it is a land of bliss, where there is perpetual spring, flowers bloom, and butterflies flit about. This very world becomes heaven, which formerly was hell. To the eyes, 
even of the bound, it is a tremendous place of torment. But to the eyes of the free, it is quite otherwise. This one life is the universal life. Heavens and all those places are here. All the gods are here, the prototypes of man. The gods did not create man after their type, but man created gods. And here are the prototypes. Here is Indra, here is Varuna, and all the gods of the universe. We have been projecting our little doubles, and we are the, original, the or, originals of these gods. We are the real, the only gods to be worshipped. This is the view of the Vedanta, and this is practicality. When we have become free, we need not go mad and throw up society and rush off to die in the forest or the cave. We shall remain where we are, only we shall understand the whole thing. The same phenomenon will remain, but with a new meaning. We do, we do not know the world yet. It is only through freedom that we see what it is and understand its nature. We shall see when this, uh, when, we shall see when, uh, then, that the so-called law or fate or destiny occupied only an infinitesimal, an infinitesimal part of our nature. It was only one side, but on the other side, there was freedom all the time. We did not know this, and this is why we have been trying to save ourselves from evil by hiding our faces in the ground, like the hunted hare. Through delusion, we have been trying to forget our nature, and yet we could not. It was always calling us, and all our search after God or gods or external freedom was a search after our real nature. We mistook the voice. We thought it was from the fire, or from a god, or the sun, or the moon, or stars, but at last we have found that it was from within ourselves. Within ourselves is the eternal voice speaking of eternal freedom. Its music is eternally going on. Part of this music of the soul has become the earth, the law, this universe, and it, is always, it was always ours and always will be. In one world, in one word, the idea of Vedanta is to know man as he really is. That it, that, and this is its message. That if you cannot worship your brother man, the manifested God, how can you worship a God who is unmanifested? All right, do we have any comments before we continue? To... Yeah, no, I'm listening to that, and it's just so funny because it, it, it sounds very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, the, like the delusion, right, of nature? I mean, it's just... It no, 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 the, no the, the delusion of something like a separate reality uh, or a separate... A separate... A God, God in heaven is being separate from... Our, our present consciousness. Like, everything is like, oh, we're always seeking God as separate, always seeking heaven. But really, it's right here. We just have to realize it. We're, we're, we are segments of the divine, and we're not divine individually and just by ourselves, but as a whole, we're all parts of the divine. But is, and anyway, do you have any, uh, any questions about that? Or? It's we're, completely we're, foreign from the usual we're separate, Western. We're separate from the divine. What now? No, no, no. We are. We we do not exist as separate from the divine. We so separately we do not exist as divine, but united we are all part of the divine. Okay, sure, sure. Maybe that's true, but I mean that's not always going to be true. It always has been true, and always will be. You know, is there is there is no. This is yeah, this but, is always okay, the but, case. So, but you're, aren't you creating like a um, some kind of like? You're saying that. In the beginning, you were you, and in the end, you will be you, right? You, you every, always, every, always, everything is God. There, there is no yeah, beginning and everything end. Is God, There's no beginning and end. And your soul has always existed and always will exist. Yes. Okay. 
That's kind of unfair. What do you mean, why? I don't know, because it's, like, unfair... To who? I don't know. If heaven, if there is a heaven, it's got to be a finite resource. It's, that's exactly what he's saying. Yeah. There is, there, heaven itself is finite. Yeah, I understand. Heaven itself is finite. Heaven is finite. Be- and what would be, like, the greatest, um, the, the greatest, like, dis- 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 distraction would be, like, if heaven is finite, you wouldn't, like, you so so. it seems like you would be competing for, like, a piece of heaven, right? Everybody no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, the existence of heaven is finite, mm-hmm. but the existence of hell is finite. But there's not, you're talking about finite spots. There's not finite spots. Like, that doesn't make any sense. There's not, a, there's not a certain amount of room in heaven or hell. So, like, if there's a certain amount of room in okay, hell, so for instance. Do you think humanity will end one day? Like, or will everything. We, everything everything well, will end? Or will practically, yeah. Yeah, I mean, practically, uh, there's Why? only so much, there's only so many stars are in the universe, and there's only so long so, that they I can know. exist. So, what about when it collapses and, and, and re- is reborn? The universe is reborn, and then boom. Mm-hmm. You have another like mm-hmm. Earth and humans. Yeah, I will. It depends. It depends on our if our souls have the souls that have reached higher dimensions will go to those higher dimensions. The ones that have yet to realize themselves will be reborn as as the sto- the stones and minerals of the new universe and slowly become bacteria, then plants and animals. So then and, you're saying there's a finite existence of man. There's like of of humans. of this universe of, and perhaps this species that is humanity so whatever but i mean like we can become other life forms that are still the same level it doesn't have to be just humanity is not like spe- it's so like there can be other sentient species that we become in future big bangs or whatever mm-hmm. um or even in this universe because we will evolve so life will will is in perpetual motion will exist forever no 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 uh well i mean it it, in a no, way, in a way, yes. Well, in the so sense, then, and so since every, God every, never, so God, God is will never fully realize himself. No, no, no God, it, no, no. Okay, so God, we're a piece of God, and we're part of God, right? And we're coming back to the source, but we're in this perpetual motion of existence. How we won't always exist as material. We won't always exist why, why as material. If the because everything is working its way back to becoming one with God, and then once everything is one with God again, well, once, then then there is no material universe. If it's working its way back. Mm-hmm. But we're in perpetual existence. No, no, there is no. It, we, our existence is not infinite. So when this, not when not, this uni- not materially, when not this materially, ends, just soul, just this, soul. Okay, so the universe. You think the universe? Universe. It depends. Yes. And what will happen then? Okay, so there is like it. It talks about this in the yugas and in Hinduism. So there is uh, every day of Brahma, and there's a day of Vishnu, which is like many days of Brahma, and then there's a day of Shiva, which is many days of of Vishnu. But um. So the souls that the souls that realize themselves or reach other dimensions will go to either will go to astral and causal dimensions. The ones that haven't um, will become more sedentary and go to lower dimensions to rest. And then the ones above also rest. But when a new Big Bang happens, then the souls who haven't worked beyond or higher than this dimension will become minerals and then small life forms and then eventually plants, animals. And then eventually they'll it'll all everything will create again. This like for instance, this planet and many other planets like it and human beings, not in the exact same form, have happened thousands and thousands of times. This universe this a, universe itself has happened thousands and thousands of times at least. How can a grain of sand have a conscious though? Hmm? How can a rock have everything is conscious, but it's it's, it's hard for us to understand because we can't understand it scientifically. We can't understand not yet. It. So like an atom has a conscious? Everything everything is conscious. Or it's just a relation. No, everything is conscious. 
we just can't understand it yet scientifically. Mm-hmm. So spiritually, everything is conscious. Okay, spirit. Yeah, well, for instance, Paramahansa Yogananda talked about he remembered when he was a diamond, which mm-hmm. is beyond our conception, but he... he so he, he started, for instance, um, just the, the gap. He, he was meditating eight hours a day when he was like six and seven. Mm-hmm. And he was basically meditation, is calming the mind, getting past the, the human and reaching God. And But like... For for instance, somebody who has who has gone past their past their 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 bodily existence, or perhaps per, uh, past their body consciousness, um, they start to get to the nature of themselves. Um, but yeah, so he remembers being a diamond, which is hard for us to remember, but we're not quite there yet. And, it's not just about ideas; it's about experience and reaching that level of experience through going beyond body consciousness. And you don't think that is like maybe a hallucination. I mean, it could be, but I don't think it is. I mean, but like we, I don't know anything. For, so I, I don't know any, I don't know a single thing. Um, I, uh, everything that I can do is my best guess. Right, I'm sure. I, my I best guess. So we, That's all anybody can do. Something that someone writes, we don't want to take at face value. Like, no, no, I don't know anything. Like everything that I think or know or think I know is my best guess. I don't know anything. I'm just a human being. I don't know anything. Right. Right. So like, yeah, it just, it just depends on who you want to listen to and then what you... What and then who whose conjecture that you want to entertain? Right. So I mean, like, uh, we can we can enter we like Muslims would be like, oh, I believe Muhammad and and the Quran. Christians would be like, oh, I believe Christ and the Bible. Uh, Hindus are like, hey, everybody's everybody can believe their own thing, and everybody you can all be a part of the same thing. There's no just because you're a Christian or a Muslim that doesn't mean you're going to hell in Hinduism. Whereas if you're a lot of Christians and and uh, Muslims believe that Hindus are going to hell. Yeah, sure, sure, like Christ. Christianity or a Muslim, being a Muslim, it's, whatever. Those are just labels, traditions, right? Right. That's mm-hmm. it, people were. And living, then most of the, most in, of those people think that Hindus are going to hell, they, they, and they think each other is going to hell. Yeah, it's all this fighting for no reason. But you're a Baptist or what? You're a Hindu. I mean, it's just because you are in a different region. So, but Fair. that has that's different than the like you like you're explaining. That the avatars, the avatars mm. had uh, enlightened consciousness, and they mm. were trying to, I guess, uh, give hope, right? For well, for, they they for they, they that... so so first is like Krishna, Buddha, uh, Christ, in that order. Uh, they they are all were uh, avatars of of the source or God in the sense that their consciousness was one with God's consciousness. They didn't. They didn't have the same level of. Con- they had a much higher level of consciousness, and they came at specific points in time and specific places to deliver a specific message. And then they'll. But there's been thousands of avatars before them. There'll be thousands afterwards. Mm-hmm. We're just so confined within these thousand, these three thousand years that we've been living that we think that you know these are the only avatars, or maybe. But like God comes down as much as He needs to to deliver messages to whoever he needs to as much as He needs to. It's not just. Not just once or twice. Here's an interesting uh, perspective. So if mm-hmm. you were to fight an enemy, right, you mm-hmm. would need a sword, a bare minimum, right? Or some kind of weapon. Uh, it depends on the enemy. I can use my body on some enemies. All right, so how would you How would you defeat your enemies, like if you had an enemy? Would you defeat it without weapons? I mean, if, well, whatever. I mean, I, like, I mean what, if, what? I, if, I didn't have, if I didn't have a weapon, then I would probably try to crush the okay, throat. Okay, so a physical... A physical being, you would use some kind of armor, right? It depends. Like, what what do I get? Like, I mean, I can... What, what's my foe and what do I get? Like, do I get weapons or do I get... Do I use my body? How do, am I defeating this enemy? Uh, I'm just asking, like, if you had an enemy in the physical realm, mm-hmm. well, how would you defeat him? Do I have to kill him? 
You would have to kill him, right? Physically? No, no, I'm asking. I, I, what, what's the situation? I, 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 you're, you're putting me in a situation. I'm trying to figure out what the situation is. If you, in the, you, we agree, we both agree, we, don't, we, we know there's avatars, right? We agree okay. on that. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to kill an avatar. If I, I'm it. just saying, I'm just saying, you believe in the physical and then you vi- believe in the spiritual realm, right? There's the astral causal, but yeah, there's okay, the astral causal realms. realms. Which are categorized into like, those are spiritual realms. Everything's spiritual. Because it's a... Everything's spiritual. It's a transition of energy, right? Everything's spiritual. But yeah, everything's spiritual, but by degrees. Okay, so in the physical world, we, we can't ascend into those other realms right now. We could, but we, it's very hard. Okay. Very, very hard. So if you have an enemy, you would probably need some material, something. Wait, why would I think somebody's in my enemy? What do they do to me? I'm just saying, if you did have an enemy... They don't have any enemies. Okay, if you did, you would need something. Wow, how do they become my enemy? I mean, you can't think your way to fight them, right? Could you, like, you Well, can't I talk to them? <laughs> All right, okay, sure. But if you had an enemy in the, in, in the spiritual... Okay, so you're saying if I had to fight somebody and kill them, that's what you're asking. Or, or fight them. I, I, I wouldn't say kill them, defeat them, to uh, hinder them un... un uh, to stop you, whatever they're to doing. To stop them from hurting you, right? Okay, you sure. don't have to kill them, but... Sure, I got it. To defeat I them. I punch them in the face. So you use your hands to feed. If they if they're not using a weapon, I'm not going to use a weapon. Okay. What about if you had if you were spiritual? I am spirit. Everything's spiritual. All right. You're spiritual. Okay. You're spiritual too. But you were in you were in the physical realm. You were outside. Gotcha. You're realm. in the astral realm, something like that. Okay. So what would you do? How would you fight an enemy? So in the astral realm, there's a number you can use energy. So like ever since everything is more subtle, it's easier to manifest energy. So you can do like have you seen Dragon Ball Z? Yeah. Uh, you can do things like that <laughs> in the in the astral realms mm-hmm. because energy is more subtle. It's not as material as in the material realm. So you can use like you can use like energy blasts and things like that just by using your energy, um, depending on what you're trying to do. Okay. But uh, are, anyway, so does that satisfy? The, okay. So bottom line is that we're looking at there's like consciousness is relative to information, right? It's relative to dimension and existence, or okay. so space. So space time and so space and time are things that that also limit consciousness. But yeah, yeah, sure, we can go ahead. All right. So that's the question, I guess, for the audience to think about: is is there, in a spiritual sense, is there an adversary? The adversary because is otherwise... the, no, no. The adversary is ourself. So like, so oh, sure. So basically, our in Hinduism, there's not like a Satan. The, what what is what the, it's an energy so material material materialistic thought mm-hmm. um delusion and illusion is what we have to overcome and that's something that everybody has to overcome it's it's not like a physical being but paramahansa yogananda who is hindu said that there is like uh there is like a satanic kind of being but mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like how we think of satan but so there are hindus who believe that there's an actual being who is and who has like for instance like demons uh who work for him or whatever but like so there some hindus do believe that for sure yeah that's it okay i i, I get that Wait, I, I i think that's an interesting um scenario but um yeah so that's the that's the million dollar question it's like why why do we need this purification of knowledge to understand ourselves and and and, and, and eliminate the illusion Hundred percent. Yeah. So, so if there's an illusion, where does it stem from? It has to stem from some beginning. So uh, there's a there's a story in Hinduism that originally the way God manifested Himself in all these different worlds and universes, all you had to do was 
meditate for a little bit, and then you become one with God. But then he realized he couldn't experience himself like that because it was too easy. So he created Maya and delusion so that it was harder to actually become for all the pieces to become one with the Godhead consciousness. Sure. So then, so, so then he made it harder for everybody so that he could experience himself better in all these different forms. I think that if there's multiple gods, there's got to be one God. And, uh, you know, there is, so... If there's one God, how does he sustain himself so that everything is the way it is? And, the like, the record-keeping record involved, like, he has to... There can be no error in his ways, right? If there was, like, one little error, like, one speck of dust in his perfection, then every, nothing else would work. It's like a car. If the timing belts off by one tooth, it's not going to run. It's not going to run right. Okay, so it, it's not... Every, everything is as perfect or imperfect as you choose to see it. But God, since, since God, like, became everything... It's not about him being separate or his laws being separate or anything like that. He's experiencing himself through everything. It's almost like we, everything is, all the, all human beings, God is not somewhere else. God, we are in the blood of God right now. It is our level of manifestation and understanding and consciousness that keeps us from realizing our grander experience of God and realization of God. Uh, what was your original question? Okay, so there's two. Oh, so there's two schools of thought. One is a Many. realization of ourselves and who we are and where we're going, mm. and this other thought that I have mm. of a universe or being corrupted. I just want this is kind of the uh -huh. feeling that I get is that um, there was like a battle between good and bad for the universe to have order, because for it to be for it to have disorder means that something happened wrong. What what went wrong? There was like a argument, a disagreement, so, or, or like a faulty, like, uh, you know, something with record keeping possibly could be... Record, like, yeah, so, like, okay, so, uh, I think I know what you're getting at, and actually, Paramahansa Yogananda and his, and his gurus, and they, and then Christ is actually one of the uh, masters in this line. It goes, it goes Krishna, Christ, uh, Jesus Christ, Babaji, Lahiri Moshe, uh, Swami Sri Teshwar, and then Paramahansa Yogananda. So this is a line of gurus all the way back to Krishna, but Christ is one of those uh, in, the, in, in the line. So um, Adam and Eve, the whole story of Adam and Eve, that was 100% in relation to how God decided to manifest the material. So God wanted to experience himself through various means, so, and then that section of himself descended in the form of Adam and Eve, which was two clusters of soul of souls. Mm. Um, many, 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 many souls in two clusters. They came, descended into material existence to basically form everything that is. Started as material, then, you know, started to energy, then material, then the various life forms, then the human beings, and then, it, but uh, there's still soul behind other material being, like, for instance, rug, house, like, all, there's still souls behind it, they just haven't progressed as fast. But uh, there was a break in the sense that God wanted to part of himself to descend, to manifest in a different form that could experience and see himself as external. But and in reality, God isn't external. It's, it's for us to realize that everything is God and that the idea that there is good and evil, that he is external from us, that is a delusion that we're working our way out of. That is a delusion left over from the duality of life and death of animals or material existence for like material understanding and we're working our way out of that to the realization that everything is god but god there was a there wasn't there's nothing that can beat up god 
So like uh, my friend, my friend told me this one day that was really interesting. He's like, he often asked his parents when he was a kid, "Why doesn't God just beat up Satan? Like, why why didn't he just do that?" And like, and it really doesn't make sense why he couldn't. Like, why wouldn't he? Yeah. But like, it, there was a choice to descend into material existence to exist in material existence. And in Hinduism, it's like, yeah, God shows uh, part of Himself chose to break off. I, I believe what, what you're saying, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but the only thing is, is that why didn't... It just doesn't make sense. How? If we're a part of the source, mm-hmm. we're supposed to return to the source. Mm-hmm. Why did we leave... The, well, I mean, why... What was so it? God could experience himself. And he could it only experience... He so, could only so, experience himself if parts of himself viewed him so as being separate from them. We have to experience death just so God can experience himself? Yes, everything that we experience, that our, our, our feeling that we are separate from God, is God trying to experience himself through feeling that he's separate. I don't know. Well, sounds, well, okay, well, okay. I, I mean, I agree with well, you. I well, hear what you're saying. I well, agree with well you let's take saying, the Christian but... example. Why doesn't God just beat up Satan? Why does he allow Satan to, why did he allow Satan to the garden? Did God not know that Satan was going to go as a snake into the garden? Because, uh, I think it's because, like, if you want to set an example, especially, like, if you want to set a, an example, like, a legacy, right? Legacy? Yeah, because otherwise, like... Wait, is God making a legacy to who? If God, if God wants to, if, if God, does he seek glory? I don't know if he wants glory. What the fuck I, is glory? Like, I don't understand what I, glory, what is glory? It's kind of like... If you're going to do something, right, mm-hmm. and you want to be, like, honored, right? Wait, God wants to be... Why does God want to be honored? That's like, not, like, a human thing. Why would God... Why does God care to be... Why, what, did he create us to be honored? Would, okay, why would God want to be honored? Why would he... Yeah, want, yeah, why would he want maybe, to be honored? Maybe it's just simple, like, maybe he just wants us to like him. Wait, that's a human thing. Why would... So why is God... So why wouldn't he have this simple human characteristic of wanting to be loved? Wanting to be liked. Yeah, as, so as separate you, forms. That's if, why I were to, if I were to, like, okay, if I want you to like me, right, uh-huh. I can do one thing. I can say, man, you know what? I made a million dollars, bro. Let's go hang out. I, you know, you'd be like, yeah, let's, but money is, like, short-term happiness. Uh-huh. But if I said, you know, I solved this problem, I, you know, the, solved a homeless problem in L.A., whatever, I did this, mm-hmm. you know, grand thing, I uh, took care of myself, I planted a hundred trees in the forest you'd be like wow man you know that's very honorable like you it's almost would i do that <laughs> it would be like wow frank, uh, that's it's like, good job frank it, it's it's almost like a, a legacy like you legacy but like what is a legacy do we even know i know what a legacy is it's you're leaving something behind for for um your children to take up or to have available to them so it's almost like so, you, you but, but god's not gonna die though like what i see it as like a relationship with god based on his merit like he did something merit why does he have to prove himself to us why, why would well, that be how, how else should it work how else would it work god doesn't have to prove himself to anybody he doesn't he have could just to, yeah but why would does he want worship or anything like that and why would god I mean, even why does god have all these human qualities i, I, mean, I guess that's the question where we're, we're like i'm trying to understand is why would a god want to be why would he want you to be obedient and listen to, or have laws or want to be worshipped? Yeah, he wouldn't. Why? doesn't make any sense. That's the whole point it of Vedanta. It doesn't make any sense, right? Because he's God. Why? Yeah, that's Vedanta um, is um, literally um, just talking about Unless that. he's looking for a relationship. The same thing why I yeah. look for a relationship with you. So we're friends based on like things that like we spend time with each other reading books versus like, oh, I have some money. Let's go out to party. Let's get it. <laughs> 
go out find some yeah. girls, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, those... Are just we're, two, we're those kind of losers who sit down and talk yeah. about ideas instead of going to... So those, yeah, but it's, it's, it's different. It's different. This is like substance versus like something that's tempor- temporary, which God could do things... He he could if he wanted to right he could just make us order us to to like him more. So so I feel like I feel like but you're not, describing a whole lot of human things to God where it's like he wants to be worshipped he wants to he, be no, respected he, he wants doesn't, he doesn't want those things. Okay. I don't think he wants those things. The, okay. Okay. I don't think that he wants us. It's kind of what we want from somebody. We want something that is wholehearted, right? Substance. Right. Yeah, and then that's where we're grabbing that's a gun. Has something has meaning. It's like the whole point of the like human heart and everything. And mm-hmm. I think that God doesn't he, he allows you to understand him and he looks at you, he judges you by your heart. What you've done. I don't know. Anyways, I'm just going off on a on a tangent. <laughs> and it's all good. Yeah, we gonna we finish up with the last part, but uh I yeah, we're almost to the uh, we're almost to part three three which is on page 61 but okay so um let's go to the rest of page 58 i'll start at the beginning because i kind of forgot where we're exactly we're at also this chair is very creaky and i keep on moving anyway um so i'll read the rest of it and then we'll comment and then we'll end it so within ourselves is this eternal voice speaking of eternal freedom its music is eternally going on part of this music music of the soul has become the earth the law this universe but it has oh it was always ours, and always will be. In one word, the ideal of Vedanta is to know man as he really is. And this is its message. That if you cannot worship your brother man, the manifested God, how can you worship a God who is unmanifested? Basically external. Do you not remember what the Bible says? If you cannot love your brother whom you have seen, how can you love God whom you have not seen? If you cannot see God in the human face... How can you see him in the clouds, or imagine, or, or in images made of dull, dead matter, or in mere fictitious stories of our brain? I shall call you religious from the day you begin to see God in men and women. And then you will understand what is meant by turning the left cheek to the man who strikes you on the right. When you see man as God, everything, even the tiger, will be welcome. What? Hmm? As you see man as God. I, I think you're misunderstanding part. Yeah, no, I did. What? Why is he saying no, that? He's, he's saying he'll call you religious when you see God and everything. Okay, so, I'll, so I'll sh- I shall call you religious. So, like, he's basically saying everybody who believes God is separate or not a part of God is not religious. But I shall call you religious from the day you begin to see God in men and women. And then you will understand what is meant by turning the left cheek to the man who strikes you on the right. Keep in mind that a lot of Vivekananda and a lot of people who devote to devote themselves to Divine Mother Kalima, that they actually, the sages actually respect Jesus and view him as an avatar. So that that's why he's mentioning Christianity at all. So I call you religious from the day you begin to see God in men and women. And then you will understand what is meant by turning the left cheek to the man who strikes you on the right. When you see man as God, everything, even the tiger, will be welcome. So whenever, like even... Even even danger, even death, you, if it comes, you will welcome it if you see yourself and everything else as God, is what he's saying. Whatever comes to you is but the Lord, the Eternal, the Blessed One, appearing to us in various forms as our father and mother and friend and child. They are our own, our own soul playing with us, 
as our human relationships can thus be made divine. So our relationship with God may take any of these forms, and we can look upon him as our father or mother or friend or beloved. Calling God mother is a higher ideal than calling him father, and to call him friend is still higher, but the highest is to regard him as the beloved. Hold on one sec. The highest point of all is to see no difference between lover and beloved. You may remember, perhaps, the old person's story of how a lover came and knocked at the door of the beloved and was asked, Who are you? Uh, he answered, It is I, and there was no response. A second time he came and explained, I am here, but the door was not open. The third time he came and the voice asked him inside, Who is there? He replied, I am thyself, my beloved. And the door opened. So is the re relation between God and ourselves. He is in everything. He is everything. Everything man and woman. Every man and woman is the palpable, blissful, living God. Who says God is unknown? Who says he is to be searched after? We have found God eternally. We have been living in him eternally. Everywhere. He is eternally known. Eternally worshipped. Then comes another idea that other forms of worship are not errors. This is one of the great points to be remembered, that those who worship God through ceremonials and forms, however crude we may think them to be, are not an error. It is a journey from truth to truth, from lower truth to higher truth. Darkness is less light. Evil is less good. Impurity is less purity. It must always be borne in mind that we should see others with eyes of love, with sympathy, knowing that they are going along the same path we have trodden. If you are free, you must, you must know that all will be so sooner or later. And if you are, wait, hold on. If you are free, you must know that all will be so sooner or later. And if you are free, how can you see the impertinent? If you are really pure, how do you see the impure? For what is within is without. We cannot see impurity without having it within ourselves. This is one of the practical sides of Vedanta, and I hope that we shall all try to carry it into our lives. Our whole life here is to carry this into practice. But the one great point we gain is that we shall work with satisfaction and contentment instead of this discontent and dissatisfaction, for we know that truth is within us. We have it as our birthright, and we have only to manifest it and make it tangible. And everybody any thoughts on that? That just seems like they're, they're being nice. The end, yeah, yeah. Well, most of it, most most of what uh he's said like, previously wasn't uh, is nice, but yeah, I mean, you know, I I I think that's they're he's making these like clauses about God, and he's not really like laser focus he's just saying that every everything is god and you know i mean i can't remember some of the words but i get i get the kind of the meaning mm -hmm. okay so how do you think that he can mo more focus better on um on what god is i don't know i mean it's just it's very it's a difficult concept to believe that everything is a part of god mm -hmm. i think that what's part of god is different than what but wouldn't God be limited if everything wasn't a part of God? So basically there's certain spaces where God isn't, so that means he's limited? 
No, that's nothing to mean. What do you mean? Like if he's not if he's not here or everywhere, then he's limited. He can't go within those spaces. I mean, that's different from him being the potential to be anywhere. No, no, he is, he is everywhere. Who done this thing? He is everywhere, but that doesn't mean he's like he he chooses to be. He has to have a choice. He has to have. A, this has to be a process, right? No, no. Well, I mean, well. It, in in Hinduism and Vedanta, and this and you can you can rebuttal with the Christian idea, but Hinduism and Vedanta, he became everything, he is everything, extending everywhere, and that there is nowhere where he is not. He's in the hells, he's in the heavens, he's right. on well, earth, he's very, everywhere. It's a very nice way of saying that God is omniscient. Oh no, he's om- omnipresent. Omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's all powerful. It's everybody, everything. Right. Which this that's the breakdown that we have, like in in the like religions, is that. Mm-hmm. How do we? How does God experience Himself if He's like uh, this God of the universe through us? He can't be like that through us. We're all part of God. We're not separate. But that's what. That's the well, idea of Vedanta. But we're okay. Do you feel like it? You feel like it's other than that? I feel like it's meaningless. It's like nonsense. I mean, I what, do, like... what do you mean? What? How is there meaning in in thinking differently though? And thinking in that God is separate. Because if I was God, right, mm-hmm. I would have, I would see oh, that. Oh, God forbid. If I was, if, okay, yeah. I'm not going to say if I was God, never mind. But I would say that that there has to be, like, basically, like, in Greek it was called, what was it called? Um, Sophia was wisdom, Jesus' is sister in Greek. Iosis, I think it was called Iosis or something. Gnosis. Gnosis. That's, uh, well, okay, so so gnosis. There's personal gnosis and there's gnosis. So knowledge and personal knowledge. Which usually personal gnosis is considered personal wisdom or experience of God. Okay. But um, I don't know if that helps your point. But so, uh, are you looking up gnosis or? I'm just trying to remember this uh, one word. What was called um, the Greek word for emptying oneself. Which basically means gnosis. Is that what is that what it says? I, I think so. I can't remember, but right, I the way I look at it, the way I look at okay. So if you're a spirit, right? To mm-hmm. be have to have those th- three to have those three qualities mm-hmm. is wait wait what three qualities? God and the Son, the Holy Spirit, or uh, to be omniscient, omno, omnipresent, and, and omnipotent, and omnipotent. Right. So I look at those three qualities as like similar to wealth, like in our in our realm, right? The more power, the more money we have, the more power we have, the more possessions we have, the more because, knowledge we have. I mean, I can hire, like, you know, a secure mm-hmm. whole, like, you know, I can buy Twitter, right? I can uh-huh. buy Tesla. I can do anything I want. I can buy the world, buy the universe. Mm-hmm. But at some point, it becomes meaningless. Like, what's the point of having those qualities? It's for what? To protect yourself only. So you're saying God has those qualities to protect himself? What, what's, the, I mean, what's the reason to have all that power? For what? Well, everything has got all. Well, so, so like, uh, okay, so you're you're saying there is no point to having things. It's it's important. It's but important it's to be. It's true. He does have those qualities. And what is? I mean, mm-hmm. the reason it can only be to separate himself from the herd, right? Why would he wait? Well, hold on a second. So he he created the herd to be separate from it. Is that what you're saying? So can there be two entities, two spirits that have those three qualities? No, everything's everything is because one god would like override the other god, right? Yeah, that's why everything is one in Vedanta. Okay. So 
that's what I'm saying. It's like, to me, the, those qualities are the same thing as well, which... So God is wealthy? I, I, I would know. I mean, maybe maybe at one degree, but in another another aspect of God, I see him as not wanting to have those qualities. He doesn't want to be omnipotent, omnipresent, or omniscient? No, I would for what? Yeah, so he just is. That's the whole thing. So maybe that's what I'm trying to say. There's like two aspects of God. What are these two? Well, what is what is this spiritual? What what is this physical world made of? Uh, it, as far as materiality goes, uh, it's just it's the smallest sliver of God. As far as like, but one, that's the smallest piece of God's wanting to come back to to God. Yeah, to the head. Okay. Kinda. Like a jewel to a crown. Kind of, yeah. Does it make sense? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I'm just. Struggling with it. <laughs> you can't. Okay, so I can't say what would I do if I was God because I'm not even close to God. But we do know that for sure that He has these three qualities. What's the purpose? What's the reasoning for it? And why would He not want to be in that state, that mode? You know, like kind of, kind of like why would you want to like give away all your money to charity and to live poorly amongst like your friends that just like to sit down and have a conversation, a normal conversation, have like a cup of coffee or some tea. Well, didn't God well, like give up like, like parts the, of himself to become? It, wouldn't parts? that be like the greatest joy then, right? Just to, to be become humble? everything? Yeah, like to uh, allow all the pieces to make choices for themselves. Right. And at the weakest point of God, the weakest, like most insecure, vulnerable aspect of God, what, 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 what would he be asking of us? Uh, to understand ourselves and realize that we are we are parts of him. Yeah. In a way, like kind of like a a grandfather, um, loving his children and grandchildren, so that and realizing that they're all related to him. I yeah, and also what another interesting aspect of the of this conversation is that at your weakest, most vulnerable point ever, mm-hmm. the only your only weapon is your intellect. And to me, that... Proved, and perhaps your compassion. Okay, and your compassion. So that would, to me, define a God. Mm-hmm. Someone that has no power, nothing, mm-hmm. but he has a mind, and he's able to defeat something else that is, like, very close to him, like some other, something other entity that's, like... And then that's why part of himself split off to become Satan. Yeah, so that's what you're saying. Yeah, because you're... Uh, makes Satan, sense. Uh, in, in the Christian terminology it was like Satan wanted the power of God which got in but God didn't want that power it was like two conflicting things going on there right Satan wanted to be the most high God wanted to give up all everything that he he had to but he I think he wanted to give up everything because he loved us we you said we existed in the beginning I think that's also true in the case we were always there we just don't realize that yeah, and but re- God always, but somehow that's what I'm saying. And realizing it is Vedanta. There is some true. aspect of like corruption, right? That things go wrong; they don't work the way they used to. Like you get you get older, your bones are not going to work the way you used to. You're going to get arthritis, and you're going to have dementia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a big problem if you're for eternity. If you're going to live for an eternity in the spiritual sense, mm-hmm. so there's this like com- uh, cosmic like battle between who can keep who can have who has the right mind like who has like a pure mind and i th- and it then we have to purify our minds in order to reach that reach that realization of 
oneness, basically, is what Vedanta would say. Right, but they don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your mind is your greatest asset, I think. For sure. Yeah, anyway, that was uh that was our wrapping up of this episode of uh bad book reviews of uh of uh practical Vedanta and uh Swami Vivekananda's uh perspectives on Vedanta. Um at any rate, so uh, yeah, so uh thank you very much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to contact me on Facebook at facebook.com slash hunter dot salazar. If you have any uh anything that you want to deliver during email, go to uh dark dot realist at verizon.net you can send me emails and uh if you like this episode feel free to share it or uh rate this podcast on itunes really helps other listeners reach this uh reach this platform and reach uh our message in general or our contemplations on a possible message at any rate uh is is that we good to end there that sounds uh yeah Sounds good. All right. Excellent. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we hope to hear from you in the future. And uh, just realize yourself, realize who you are. And we will hear from all of you and hopefully see all of you in the future.